This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. So we'll talk a little bit about Inyana de Yoima. We'll talk about selling chametz. It's on many people's mind. For those of you who haven't done it yet, so now is a good time to a reminder that if you sell chametz, the clock is ticking down a little bit. What's this idea of selling the chametz all about? So the source of this halacha of selling the chametz is found in the Tesefta, the second parak of Psachim. The Tesefta tells us a story that there was a Yid and a non-Jew on a boat. And the Yid was on a boat with the non-Jew and it was becoming Pesach. It was almost Pesach. And he had tons of chametz with him. What's he going to do with it now? He has no choice. So he says over there that Tesefta tells that the Yid made up with the guy, I'm going to sell my chametz to you. And he tells the guy, by the way, it's very likely that I want to buy back from you after Pesach. So the Tesefta says, fine, you can do it. As long as everything is no conditions. You can't sell it to the guy on condition that it's yours for eight days or on condition, no conditions. It's got to be a mechir li oilam with the stipulation that it's possible that at the end of the eight days I might want to buy it back. That's what it says in the Tesefta. So most people look at this Tesefta and say this is not practice for every single year. This was a Maisha Shahaya of a pressing situation. The year was stuck on a boat. He had all his chametz with him. If he does nothing, he throws the chametz overboard after Pesach, he's going to have no food. So we came up with this chap to sell the chametz to the gut. However, <clears throat> the Ritva writes a Chiddush. It's a popular Ritva in Dav Chafal from Psachim. The Ritva writes that anyone who sells his chametz every single year, like we do, says the Ritva, it's a aroma. It's a trick. And the chametz is asr loy u Yisrael. You're not allowed to use the chametz. The Ritva says this chap of selling the chametz that we do yearly is wrong. It should only be done like in the case of the Tesefta. It should not be done the way we do it. That's what it writes the Ritva. And he says that it's a knas. And anyone who leaves, and anyone who does this is not allowed to be benefit from the chametz, not him, and not anyone in Kalah Yisrael. Now, one of the reasons why we sell the chametz is to avoid the problem of two things. First of all, possibly to avoid Bayirol Bayimatse. Now, that could be circumvented by just doing betel. But the other reason why we sell a chametz is to avoid the issue of chametz Shabbat Pesach. You don't want it to be that you forgot about a loaf of, of uh, challah somewhere, or you forgot about a kugel somewhere in the fridge, and then Pesach comes, and now you, you can't use that loaf of challah, or you can't use that bottle of schnapps, because you didn't sell it. Ah, you did betel, most achreinim hold, even if you do betel, it's still going to be chametz Shabbat Pesach, which is also medirabon. However, if you look in Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch already, in the Beis Yosef, you've examined from Yishayim, that what it means, don't do our Roma, it doesn't mean what we do. It means, don't make any stipulations in the sale. Don't tell the guy, I'm only selling it to you till Pesach is over, and once Pesach is over, retroactively becomes mine. Absolutely not true. That's when you can really invalidate the sale. The sale is a hundred, and this I tell to the guy over and over and over again. I hope he understands what I'm saying. I tell him, no, this is yours. You're the owner of all of this chametz. You're a very lucky and very wealthy man. And after Passover, what we'll discuss is the following. What do we do? We make what's called a down payment. We don't give him the entire value, because who knows how much exactly everything is really worth. So he makes a down payment, which it's his. He owns it. And if he wants to come into your house at 3 o'clock in the morning and you call the police on him, you might invalidate the sale for the entire shul and for everyone who sells together. So you want to let him in, give him access, show him whatever. But we explain to him, you have to know you didn't pay for everything yet. You just made a down payment. So after the holidays, we're going to bring down someone who's an expert. He'll figure out how much it's all worth. And then we'll, we'll, we'll finish the bill. Or 
you can buy, I'll buy it back from you right now and we'll move on our way. That's the way it basically goes down the Mechiras Chametz. So if you look in Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch seems to be okay with yearly Mechiras Chametz. The Shulchan Aruch is in Tafem Ches. Sef Gimel basically points out that if you don't sell your Chametz, you're going to run into issues of Chametz Shavala of Pesach, which we, we talk usually about after Pesach. We'll go through all the different stores and all the different issues and the distributors. We'll get to that Belinadu after Pesach. But right now, one of the big reasons why you sell your Chametz is in case you find a bottle of schnapps or a kugel or something and you want to know, can I eat it? The answer is yes. I sold it to the guy, I'm good to go. So if you look in, in, in the Beis Yais, if you look in Shulchan Aruch, it seems to be that as long as we do the sale as legitimate as possible, it's something that will be accepted. Now, the Bach points out, already in his days, we're going back, Bach lived at the end of the 1500s, Jewish people had to do Mechir as not because of the half, half-eaten piece of cake and the slice of pizza in the freezer. They needed to do it because of the schnapps. Jews were in the, in the alcohol business because that was the only thing the guy let us do. So we were often in the alcohol business. So in the alcohol business, if you're gonna, what are you gonna do with all that schnapps over Pesach? You gotta do something with it. So that was always the reason why Jewish people needed to come on to the Hetem Mechir. It wasn't because of the, the three pieces of bread and half eaten box of cereal. But it was really predominantly for the schnapps, which is why today many people also are busy with the schnapps, because that was always what Kleisol used to sell. Now you have to remember, back then it, was just, it wasn't pleasure, it was parnasa. If a guy had to dump out all his schnapps, he wouldn't have parnasa. That's how he made money. Right? He would own the tavern, or he would uh, supply the schnapps for the local uh, non-Jews. And that was his business, so that's why Kleisol was makel to do this. The question is, let's say you're a person who doesn't sell chametz gummer, which many people have a tradition in their family. They don't sell chametz gummer. That tradition originates, as far as I can see, from the Vilna Goyen. The Vilna Goyen is quoted in the Rav not to sell chametz gummer, which is fine. You don't sell chametz gummer. So the question is, should you bother going to the rabbi and selling? So the answer is yes. Even if someone is mocked not to sell chametz gummer, or even not to sell anything, it's still a kadai to go through the mechira, because you never know. You never know. It doesn't hurt doesn't, you know, you never know, there must be, there might be something missing. It's always Kedai to make a sale to cover perhaps uh, all bases. Now, the Gra was Machmin not to sell Chamez Gomer, which is a tradition many, uh, we'll get to that in a second, which is a tradition that many people still keep today. Rabbi Salvechik was a big proponent to not sell Chamez Gomer. He would tell both the Talmidim and the Valvatim not to sell Chamez Gomer, only sell what's called the Tarevis Chamez. Chamez Gomer would mean like bread, cookies, things that Mamish, if a person would eat on Pesach, he'd get curries for. What people do sell today is Tarevis Chametz. It's a mixture of Chametz. A lot of it's probably bottle anyways. It might even not be Chametz. But that's what many people do sell today. Kidneyus, we don't sell kidneyus. If you look at some of the old starvers from the 1700s, they apparently would sell kidneyus, but that's not the accepted practice today. As far as I know, almost all the starvers that go out today, we do not sell kidneyus. We just put them aside. We don't sell kidneyus. We also don't sell kalim. We don't sell the kalim. We spoke about this in Allah a few weeks ago. We don't sell any kalim to the guy because if you sell the kalim to the guy, you perhaps would have to toivel it after Pesach. We don't sell the bleas to the guy because I don't believe there's a market for it. What we do sell is any chametz that gets stuck to a pot. Sometimes if you're making noodles in the pasta family, sometimes they get stuck to the bottom and that could be chametz ben. So that we do sell. But that's all we sell. We don't sell the dishes. We don't sell the pots. We don't sell the bleas. We just sell any chametz ben that's stuck onto the kalim. So, many people have a practice. They don't sell chametz gomer. Fine. So that's your practice. You don't sell chametz gomer. Yeah. What is schnapps? Schnapps is a good question. Schnapps is always a tough question, what schnapps is. So we had a share about this last time. Maybe we'll have it again this year. Where we talk about a schnapps reichoy or schnapps chametz gomer. Because when you eat, when you're drinking schnapps, you're not drinking a piece of barley. 
right? You're drinking, it came originally from barley. So that was always a big shayla of where schnapps fell in. If schnapps, if schnapps is considered chametz gum or not. So he once asked Rabbi Salavechik, what's his opinion on schnapps? So he said, better not to ask me my opinion on schnapps. That was his response. It's not Pashtun how to look at schnapps. Maybe we'll talk about it over Yom Tif or maybe after Yom Tif. Schnapps is a tricky one. But the minute was always to sell schnapps because that was people's parnasa, whether or not it was chametz gum or not, but that was a question of their parnasa. Rav Moshe famously said, when someone asked him, can you sell Chametz Gomer, Rav Moshe's response was, if you're not selling Chametz Gomer, what are you selling? That was Rav Moshe's response, even though Rav Moshe's personal practice was not to sell Chametz Gomer, but he was saying that that's why they invented Mechiras Chametz, for those people who want to sell their Chametz. Again, today, here, here we sell anything you want. We'll sell you Chametz Gomer, we won't sell, we'll, we'll sell you, not Chametz Gomer, we'll sell whatever you want to sell. Now, many people have this halach in their head, they're not allowed to sell open things. That's absolutely not true. Right? We're living in a capitalistic world. We'll sell anything that has a value. If the guy wants to buy a half-eaten box of Cheerios, we'll sell it to him. The fact that it's open doesn't mean you can't sell it. Right? So that's not true. We'll sell that also. We won't sell, I won't sell Blias because I don't think there's a market for it. But a half-eaten box of Cheerios has a value. So just because you open the pack of Cheerios or a cereal box, we can sell that as well if your practice is to sell. If you take a look in the Kitzah Shulchanar, he really hones in on this Nakuda about how we have to make the sale as real as possible, which is why we, we give you out the Shtar Hashaz, where you basically give, and I always point out, people say they sell the chametz to the rabbi. There's a little bit of a problem. Rabbis also not allowed to own chametz. So you sell it, you don't really sell it to me. You make me your agent to sell it on your behalf. That's really what happens when you, make, when you fill out that Shtar Hashaz. So the Shtar Hashaz, I try to make it as real as possible to make the sale as legitimate as possible. Instead of telling the guy, okay, I'm going to give you 20 addresses, you own all the chametz of these 20 addresses. We, we try to make it as specific as possible. Now, does that mean if you don't check off a box and there's something in that box that uh, is not sold? No. It's still going to be included in the sale, but we try to make it as legitimate as possible because we are perhaps dealing with the Suri de Rices or a Suri de Rabbanim, whether or not the Balyura that you make on Erev Pesach doesn't include everything except for that gets sold to the guy or not. That's a Machloikis, but we try to make it as real as possible. Bianca was also not very keen on selling chametz gomer, but he did say anyone who sells chametz gomer, you can't say the food is usher. Avado, anything sold in chametz gomer is mutter. We pointed out in the past, ironically, that many people say they don't eat, they don't sell chametz gomer, but they have no problem buying from stores that sell chametz gomer, which basically all our stores here do. Right? Every grocery store that you're going to buy after Pesach sold their chametz. You don't think Wasman sells the chametz before Pesach? What do you think they do with all their chametz? They sell it. So you don't sell chametz, but it's okay for Wasman to sell chametz? So the answer could be yes, because Wasman needs to. It's their parnasa. So let them sell, and I'll buy it back from them. Rav Moshe Shtenbach has an interesting tshuva, compared, similar to what we spoke about yesterday with Kibrox. He says, Fakert. He says, there's a bedafka reason for someone who's machmer not to sell, to buy from someone who sells to show that the only reason why I don't sell chametz is only chumrah. Avad, I know it's a legitimate sale and it's fine. I'm personally machmir, but I'm more than happy to eat chametz that was sold, not me, but someone else did it because I know deep down that it is a legitimate sale and therefore he would buy from a store or from a person who does sell <coughs> chametz gomer. When we come to the rough to make the, the Kenyan, so why do we have to make a Kenyan? Right? I, you, I just said earlier, you become my agent. So if you become my agent, why do we have to have a Kenyan to become an agent? Just say, I want you to become my agent. So the truth is, that's probably all you really need. 
The only reason why we make a Kenyan is to be mechazigit. We want to make it a little bit more legitimate of, uh, of, of giving over permission and acting as an agent. Make it adin if you don't have that. During COVID, we didn't have this. Sometimes I get phone calls from people, can you sell the chametz for me? They don't live here in the neighborhood. They're not going to come down and do a Maisa Kenyan, uh, a Kenyan Suda with me. So many pais came home, Maisha and others held this way. As long as you get a consent that I, they want me to be their agent, then I could be their agent. But preferably in a perfect world, we like to do a Maisa Kenyan this way we can make it even stronger, the agency, the fact that you're working as my agent. Why is there a practice to give the rabbi money? Maybe a little cheesy to talk about, but it's interesting to mention, why do people give the rabbi money when they sell chametz? So Poshib Shad is because they assume the rabbi needs money, which is a fair assumption. But is there a halachic reason? The answer is yes. Moshishemach has a tshuva where he writes, how do you know that I'm going to sell the chametz for you? Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll take all the contracts, throw them in the garbage, and no one sells your chametz for you. And all your chametz is chametz shalva pesach. How do you know? So the Gemara says there's a chazaka. A shliach does his shlichus. Yeah, that's only if it's an issue of a dirabonah. On a dirabonah level, you can use a chazaka. When you have a deraisa, you can't always use a chazaka. So Moshe Shtemach suggests when you make me your worker, when you give me the money, now I'm a poil. I'm not just a shliach. I'm a poil. Poil always does his job. A poil, that's a job. So if you hire me to do your job, now you know I'm going to do the job. And that's why the minig became to give money to the rough to sell the chametz. It's interesting, <clears> the <throat> Moshe Shdemach does point out, but if it's part of the rabbi's contract, so that you don't have to give him money. If on the rabbi's contract it says he runs, uh, he does the funerals, he does uh, chasanas, and he sells chametz, so then he's already, he's already paid by the salary of the shul to sell chametz, so then you don't have to give him money. If you want to know what it says on my contract, you can let me know if you find it. You can give, let me know what it says on my contract, I don't know myself. Can you give him some money? Yeah, I think that might be Tully. So I used to sell the chametz many years to my uncle in, in Kew Gardens. So I was always misupik, he's not going to take money from me. But the shayla is, maybe I have to up the alocha. Now the truth is, for my uncle in the big shul, when he used to be the rav, now he already retired, I'm sure that's part of his, his job. He probably had part of his job was to sell chametz. So it could be I didn't have to give him money anyways. But I came up with a chap that I gave it to him. I figured he was Michael and Mechilos Kilo was Kabalti. So it could be I was Yaitza anyways. But that's always the question. But um, Rabbi Obama in his Haggadah has a different cheshman. He has a different problem of what happens if you acquire new chametz that you didn't have yet. So how can you sell that chametz? So he somehow figures out that if you make you the worker, that solves that problem. Meaning any chametz that you acquire from the day you make the hasha until the day of the mechira. But in any case, that became the practice in Klai. So, but many achrena point out there's a alumnish reason over here. It's not just because the rabbi needs the money. It's because you want to guarantee that he does it. But again, if it's part of his uh, job requirements, so you can assume he does it anyways, then in that case, it's not required to give him money to ensure that he does the job.